All right, it's the Keefe to the City Giants podcast, and the Giants lose week one because that's what the Giants do. They lose week one home opener to the Broncos in pretty much embarrassing fashion, a 27-13 to 13 loss at home, and it was not even that close. It was 27-7 to 7 until the final play of the game when Daniel Jones ran in a garbage-time touchdown to you know give him a little bit of a stat pad there for a guy who ruined the game. He ruined the game. Another fumble, another turnover, the 40th of his career for a guy that didn't even play the full season in 2019, didn't play the full season in 2020, and has one game into 2021. He has 40 turnovers in his career. Not a great way for the Giants to kick off their season. Not a great way for Daniel Jones in what is the most important season of his career. The third season where the Giants have to decide, is he the future? Do they need to go back into the draft and find another quarterback to replace him? Not a great way to get things going. And when the Giants opened at two and a half point underdogs at home against the Broncos in week one, I was stunned. I didn't see that coming. The Broncos won five games last year. They're traveling across the country. I know the Giants weren't much better at six wins last year, but I still thought the Giants would be a home favorite. I thought they would be favored by three, not the other way around. And it turns out that the line was... It should have been higher. <laughs> it should have been higher. It was a good cover for those that were smart enough to bet the Broncos. I unfortunately didn't because I don't bet against the Giants. But if I did, I'd be really rich over the last decade because every season aside from one over the last decade has been pretty miserable. And it looks like this season could be the same. The Giants are 0-1 yet again. They lose a home game. They lose a game they could have won. And they had their opportunities. And the first drive of the season to begin the game, the third play of the drive, Daniel Jones hits Darius Slayton for 42 yards. He sees the Broncos jump, launches a deep ball, Slayton catches it, and they're set up first and 10 at the Denver 30. And I'm thinking, holy shit, maybe this is a different Giants team. Maybe this is a different Giants season. But no, they come away with zero points on that drive. And that just sort of sums up who this team is you could change the personnel you could change the quarterback change the quarter the coach change the coaching staff it doesn't matter it's like that's who the Giants are they're first and 10 at the 30 to begin the season on a huge downfield play stadiums going crazy first time met life's had fans in two years and then they come away empty-handed and everything after that was pretty much what you'd expect from this Giants team as the Broncos scored and scored and scored some more. And the defense wasn't there, wasn't what we saw last year, especially towards the end of the season, especially when they went to Seattle for that big road win as part of that four-game winning streak. Just wasn't there. This is a defense everyone thought would be elite, and certainly there's still 16 games left in the season, but after one game and the smallest of sample sizes, it's not great. It's not great. And the Giants, after they punted on that opening drive, the Broncos punted, the Giants come back, they go three and out, they punt, Broncos kick a field goal on a 15-play drive that ate up 8 minutes and 42 seconds, and the Giants answer with a touchdown on a 7-play drive that only took 422. They went down 75 yards and 7 plays, ending in a 37-yard touchdown pass to Sterling Shepard from Daniel Jones. And at that moment, I started to feel the way I did after the Slayton play, where you're thinking, okay, things are different. This is what the Giants do to you. If you're a Giants fan, you experience this every week. The emotional highs and lows of a single game with this team, it's exhausting. It really is. And then they're able to, to recover a fumble. Great play by the defense there, the biggest play of the game, you'd think. 
when Logan Ryan forces a fumble, but they go three and out right after the fumble. And the Broncos answer that with a touchdown. So the Giants just score to take the 7-3 lead. They get the Broncos to fumble. And then they go three and out, and the Broncos go down, and they score a touchdown to take the lead at the end of the half after converting a fourth and two at the Giants' 49. And the Broncos had balls on Sunday. They went for, went for it on fourth down three times, converted on all of them, and that was the difference. And then in the second half, Broncos opened with another long drive, 16 plays, 8 minutes, 12 seconds. They score a touchdown. Now they're up 10. This is when the game was ruined. The Giants get the ball first time in the second half, down 10. They're driving down the field. They convert a third and five. They convert a third and eight. They convert a third and two. They're down to the Denver 22, first and 10. Daniel Jones scrambles up the middle for seven yards to the Denver 15 and fumbles. And anytime Daniel Jones takes off, you get the feeling he's going to fumble. It just seems like something bad's going to happen every single time he runs. And he ran and something bad happened and it put the game out of reach. Because from there, the Broncos tacked on a field goal to go up by 13. The Giants, you know, they still had life. They were still get a score, make a stop, get a score. Something you see in every NFL game. Every week, it seems like. But not in Giants games. And they do what they need to do. They go down the field. They convert a fourth and four at the Denver 46. They convert a third and four at the Denver 13. And now they're first and goal at the seven. They run four of the worst plays you'd ever see from the Denver 7-yard line. First and goal, incomplete. That was nearly picked off because fucking Jones throws it into three Broncos defenders. Second and goal, they pick up a yard on a running play. Third and goal, incomplete. Fourth and goal, incomplete. And then the Broncos go down four plays, 94 yards because of a 70-yard rushing touchdown, and that was it. 27 to 7 after that Giants had the ball turned it over on downs Broncos punted and then the Giants get that meaningless touchdown that I mentioned earlier from Daniel Jones as he runs it as the time expired just a shitty game just a shitty game from a shitty team they scored seven points in the game really the 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 touchdown at the end of the game there's no time on the clock it's meaningless the Broncos don't give a fuck about them scoring there scored seven points in a league that has done everything to optimize offense, to make it almost impossible to play defense. Not impossible to play defense against the Giants. And then after the game, Joe Judge said everything right. He, I like Joe Judge. He always says the right thing. He's a guy you want to believe in. He's a guy you want to represent the team that you're a fan of. And he does that well. But Joe Judge throwing the challenge flag on a scoring play that's unchallengeable, that costs the Giants a timeout in the second half, is embarrassing. How do you not know the rule there? Or how do you not know it? How do you forget about it? It, it, That challenge flag in a second half of a close game needs to stay in your fucking pocket unless you're 100% certain that you're going to win the challenge or that it's a big enough play to challenge. You can't be throwing it on plays that can't be challenged that cost you a timeout. It's crazy. But Judge did say the right things. He talked about that this team's not good enough. He he answered for the fans leaving. Yes, the fans are going to leave. People have shit to do. People don't have time to sit in MetLife and pay fucking $15 for beers when the team's getting their ass kicked in the fourth quarter. It's fucking nice out. It's September. It's like 90 degrees on Sunday. You want to go waste your day in MetLife and then sit in traffic after to watch fucking Daniel Jones fumble again and watch the defense come up and lay an egg? No one wants to fucking waste their day doing that. 
That's why the stadium was empty there at the end of the game in the second half. Should be. It should be empty. And Nick Filato of the Big Blue Banter podcast joined me to talk about the Giants' season opening loss. So let's get to it. All right, and joining me today to talk about the Giants' season opening loss to the Broncos is Nick Filato, host of the Big Blue Banter podcast, which if you're a Giants fan and you want to basically dissect the game as as well as possible each week you should listen to it after every game each week nick how's it going today it's going well it's going well neil it's just uh another another loss for the uh new york giants on opening week it's just it's a shame because it's been two years since the giants have had fans in the building yeah. and that's the product they put out there against the 2025 and 11 team led by Teddy Bridgewater, who you got to give so much credit to Teddy Bridgewater and Pat Shermer in this game plan, but just it was disappointing overall. Yeah, disappointing is is a great word. And I, it didn't feel like uh, football season here, you know, in the Northeast, it's like about 90 degrees on Sunday. It felt anything like football season. Uh, But with a Giants loss in week one, that's about as football season as it gets. They (laughs) they never seem to start off the season well. Uh, Just yet another 0-1 performance. Uh, Now they have a short week against the Washington defense, could be 0-2 really quickly here. And for almost a decade now, outside of one season, the last decade, this season is is has been essentially over before like the MLB postseason even begins. And we're sort of headed down that path again where you hear about how bad the offensive line is, all the how everyone's scared of it. It could just be atrocious again. You know, you sort of got that. The play calling with Jason Garrett was bad again. The Giants got garbage time touchdown at the end, but really this was a seven point offense. A team that has trouble scoring every single game that really Daniel Jones has been quarterback for. Same old story here again in week one. Same old story, same looking offense too. When you go back and review the film and the all 22 hasn't been posted yet, but you still just saw similar route concepts that were utilized last year. A lot of spacing, horizontal spacing, a lot of kind of the stagnant type of routes where you run five, six yards off the line of scrimmage and turn back. I mean, there's no really ability to create yards after the catch. It's just a way to move the football down the field. And I feel like Jason Garrett, calls his offense to get 10 play or 10 yards in three plays instead of kind of generating an explosive type of offense. And we saw similar type of play style, similar lack of pre-snap type of uh, movement other than just some adjustments to, to get into his stacked formation, which we saw a little bit. It, it, it was just another, I think overall, when you look at the offense, the offensive line was, I would say, Neil, the my biggest concern coming into this game. Now, they weren't, I would say, I guess, as terrible in pass protection as one would imagine. I mean, but mainly because Andrew Thomas was better than some of us, at least myself, expected. But he wasn't blocking Bradley Chubb. And then Nate Solder gives up the bad sack to Von Miller. Oh, man. Matt Parrott doesn't get out of his stance. I felt like Nick Gates looked good from the... um broadcast angle. Ben Bredesen looked solid. I wouldn't say he was as good as some people are kind of building him up. Will Hernandez had a couple really big whips, but a lot of solid plays as well. But I mean, Dan Schneier and and I on the Big Blue Banter podcast, we always talk about the three things that could just stifle this Giants team and their ability to make the playoffs in the NFC East. And it's offensive line, Daniel Jones development, Jason Garrett. All three of those uh, pillars they're all married to each other. 
And if the offensive line sucks, then Jason Garrett's probably not going to be able to call the offense to the liking of us. But still, I feel like the philosophical nature of Jason Garrett is not great because, again, he calls plays to pick up the first down rather than trying to dialing up shot plays outside of some first and 10 play action looks that end up putting the Giants most of the time in second and long. And then yeah. from there, they run the football, maybe get two yards, and then they're in third and eight. And that's just an abysmal situation. And then Daniel Jones, he's just a roller coaster, Neil, right now. I mean, <laughs> that's a good some- way to put it. It really is. And, and the highs, the peaks of those roller coasters just aren't high enough, to be honest, because there are some plays where the one play where he where he finds Darius Slate, and that was a far hash throw. I mean, that was a really, really strong throw where he reared back at like the 22 yard line and found Slayton down the field past midfield at like the 37. It was some it was it was a very, very powerful strong yeah. arm type of throw. We had another really good throw to the outside. There were times where he noticed mismatches pre-snap, confirmed it post-snap, fired the ball to Sterling Shepard against like Josie Jewell or a linebacker. And you go, yeah, that's the Daniel Jones. Those are the kind of developments we want to see pre to post-snap. But then he fumbles the football. And every time he tucks the ball, it seems like he's going to end up fumbling it. And those turnovers are just (laughs) killer are just absolutely killer. And the also ball placement was, uh, I don't want to say erratic in this game, but it wasn't consistent on the Devontae Booker throw, things like that. He should have maybe threw two other interceptions. And he just locks onto receivers a lot. On that wheel route to Saquon Barkley in the red zone, he just locked on, eyed it down. There were three defenders in the area. He still tried to fire the football, and it was almost intercepted. And then there was the other, I believe it was a third down, where where Saquon Barkley was wide open over the top of the center, about three or four yards downfield on a course, a curl type of route, but he decided to fire the ball to Sterling Shepard past the sticks, and that one was almost intercepted as well. So some decision-making things that Daniel Jones definitely still need to clean up, but that's the same song and dance we've been talking about for a while now, Neil. Yeah, certainly, and that's a great way to break it down. And you mentioned the throw to Slayton uh, there on their second drive, or their first drive, rather, the fourth play of the drive, um, or third play of the drive, rather. They are at a third and five, and they he catches the D going off sides, which is something maybe last year he might have not even noticed and not tried to throw a deep ball. But he does, and Slayton catches it 42 yards, and then they're set up at the Denver 30. And you're thinking, okay, they're going to get points here. And when they didn't come away with points on that drive after that play, in that field position that just was that just gave me that feeling like some things will never change with the Giants and to be set up like that on the season opening drive where you're trying to change the narrative of who you are as a quarterback and Daniel Jones and what this offense is and what this team is and then they come away with a zero it's just it was so predictable it's that's just Giants football it's just Giants football Neil before you said that that was my next line out of my mouth (laughs) Because it was so exciting. It was a huge play. And then what happened? They try to run a boundary run to a double Y set to the boundary. There was a miscommunication between the team Nate Solder and Kyle Rudolph on who was taking Von Miller. And Von Miller just throws Kadarius Tony to the ground for like a loss of six yards. Then they try to run the football to kind of get them into manageable field goal position, nothing. And then it's an incomplete pass. And then they end up punting the football. It was just way too many wasted opportunities because you had that opportunity that was wasted. You could have made a a statement for your offense at home on your first drive in front of all your fans. You wasted that opportunity. And then Logan Ryan, I mean, the defense was not great in this game, but Logan Ryan ends up stripping Albert O in the red zone. Huge play. And what happens? You go three and out. And then the defense (laughs) subsequently allows 
with the time running off in the first half allows the Denver Broncos to drive down the field and score to take that to take the lead and go into halftime. And that's just like a soul crushing kind of play. And then shortly in the third quarter, we saw KJ Hamler drop a wide open touchdown and we just kept seeing Jerry Judy carve up this secondary. I mean, the defense was, was a, was a big disappointment to be honest. A lot of us had high expectations for Patrick Graham's defense, especially with the new personnel that should theoretically allow them to play man coverage. But Pat Shermer and Tate Bridgewater just nickel and dimed this defense. And it was just not a great look. And I mean, it makes me wonder what the game plan is going to be on a short week because this team, I mean, they, they have the short week, which is a terrible timing for the short week. I get it. It's, it's early in the season, but after a game like that, where there were so many technical just deficiencies, within the offense and the defense. I mean, this coaching staff needs to quickly turn around and focus on Washington. But at the same time, they need to look in the mirror and fix themselves because they were not playing near, near to the capabilities of the talent that's on that roster, specifically on the defensive side. Yeah. And certainly the defense wasn't what it's hyped up to be. And you know, what we saw at, at moments last year, especially in that, in that Seattle game last year on the road. Uh, but then you look at the defense and like you mentioned, they get the fumble, they go three and out. They have a bunch of short drives where they're punting or they're turning it over. And the D was on the field for so long. And you bring that up about the nickel and diming where they're having seven, 10 and at one point a 15 play drive. Uh, the, you know, the giants D was out there for at times eight and nine minutes. Yeah, they were out there far too long. Some of that's a product of the offense not being able to sustain drives, but the defense, it's on them as well because they couldn't get off the field on third down. And then when they did get off the field on third down, they allowed Dick Fangio and this Bronco team, not an aggressive coach, became incredibly aggressive against the Giants to go three for three on fourth down in, in those fourth down situations. So it was frustrating to see, and it was, it was just a quick game. It was just quick game, quick game, quick game, tight end in, tight end out. Those tight ends are incredibly athletic, and they were able to take advantage of the matchup against the Giants' safeties, which is one of the strengths of the Giants' defenses. So it was just overall just a, a piss-poor effort, if we're going to be yeah. honest. Like, I'm not questioning. I'm not questioning the Giants' effort. I just think they were outplayed and outmatched in this game, outcoached in this game. And this is happening against a team that not a lot of people feel will make the playoffs. So what does that say when the Giants actually have to play (laughs) a pretty darn good team? Yeah, it's scary. And if you had told me before the game that Daniel Jones would have one turnover in the game, I'd think, okay, that's, you know, that's an improvement. But it just so happens that that one turnover is a fumble that essentially ruined the game for the Giants. And it always is that moment for him. It always seems like they're about to do something big. They're about to swing the momentum. They're about to score to tie, take the lead, get back into the game. And he goes and fucks it up. And he did it again here with the fumble. And as soon as he took off running, I just had that feeling because we're trained to have that feeling we've seen this guy now for you know all of last season the majority of the season before and now here we are a game into his third season and until he doesn't do that anymore if he ever doesn't do that you're always going to think something bad's going to happen when he takes off and runs yeah it does seem like that and on that play it was a first and 10 play giants were out there in 12 personnel they dialed up a play action first and 10 something jason garrett does do at least he attempts to have success with that. And it seemed like it was a deep shot since we don't have the all 22. I'm not certain on what the route concept was, but it looked like it could have been a Yankee concept, which is a deep over and then a deep post coming from uh, opposite sides of the field. And, you know, I like the fact that Jones is aggressive and sees the C part. And then he, you know, inserts himself and tries to pick up another first down with his legs, but he has to learn to slide, man. 
He can't go yeah. head first into linebackers who outweigh him because he does not know how to really secure the football. It's been demonstrated since he first played in the NFL against Dallas in his rookie season when he fumbled the football, when he got in at the end of that garbage time game when Eli Manning was the starter. He, it's just something that's been reoccurring in his career. A lot of those fumbles, some of them are a product of the offensive line, but these types of fumbles in space also happen. He has to learn to slide. He just he can't continue to be reckless with the football. Yeah, and when they were down twenty to seven, and they, you know, were going for it, they're, uh, you know, going for it on fourth down there because they had to a fourth and six, you know, fourth and goal at the Denver six. I'm thinking at that point, okay, they're gonna punch it in here, and then they're, and then the defense is actually gonna let us down, and they're gonna let the Broncos go down and score a touchdown when we need to stop. But it didn't get to that point. You talked about this sort of, you know, play calling once they got first and goal at the seven earlier in the podcast, but just not, not, not a great series there on uh, with those four plays from the goal line or from the seven yard line rather yeah from the seven yard line no it was not and again the offense it's just um it's just the same there's not a lot of deviation from what we saw in 2020 i mean we spent the entire off season complaining about jason garrett's lack of imagination and it's still the same stuff a lot of double slants a lot of slant flat a lot of routes that don't maximize yards after their catch not the most creative type of route concepts and you know the Giants did a solid job getting the football into Sterling Shepard's hand. I thought that was one positive we could take away was that Sterling Shepard was releasing off the line of scrimmage and looked really, really smooth and healthy. But just overall, the offense is, is the offense. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> offense continues to, to struggle. It seems like it's picking up right where it left off in 2020. If we're going to look at it, though, in a positive manner, and I'm not overly positive. I haven't been overly positive about this offense. But if we want to be positive about it, we can say, and there is validity to it, that the Giants haven't had Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony throughout training camp. They're just kind of getting ingratiated back into the offense. And when they're there, maybe the offense can become more explosive and move the chains a little bit better. But with Jason Garrett still calling the plays, you're just going to have to rely on these guys to make players miss because the play calling is still going to be somewhat stagnant. Yeah. Certainly. And now, as we talked about earlier, they go short week here to Washington on Thursday night football, uh, before their, you know, extended, uh, layoff before they play Atlanta. But you mentioned how if this is what we see against a Denver team that won five games last year, that's sort of also rebuilding, isn't expected to be in the postseason. This is what we get at home against that team. With the schedule the Giants have where they play at New Orleans, they play at Kansas City, they play at Tampa, they play at the Chargers, this this could end up being a, a very scary uh, season for them, which, I mean, we're used to it now over the, over the nine out of the last 10 years, but this could take on a whole nother meaning of scary with the schedule they have. And if that does end up happening, and I think there are some games that aren't terrible, but the Giants look like one of the bottom five teams on Sunday. Now that can flip. I mean, it's a short week. We're going to see them again. <laughs> the entire national uh, <laughs> football media will see them as well, which could be good. It could be bad. But if we look back to those Washington games last year, Giants won both of them in very, very ugly fashion. I mean, one of them, the defense had five turnovers. The offense couldn't move the football. That was the second game. And then the first game, Tay Crowder returned a fumble for a touchdown to to propel the Giants to victory. But the Giants offense wasn't moving the football really in either of those games because they were calling it to disallow Montez Sweat Chase Young from absolutely ruining their night. And good on Jason Garrett, I guess, for that. But you still need to sustain some sort of offense. And I know the Giants are going to be able to play Taylor Heineke. And I, I don't I mean, I would say that's a step down from Ryan Fitzpatrick because Ryan Fitzpatrick is a veteran. But I think Heineke can still ball a little bit. So Thursday yeah. could be really interesting. We're going to find out 
quickly. The Giants can, you know, squeak out a win on the road in the division. That's going to be, you know, uplifting. But let's hope we see something a little bit different from this offense and see Daniel Jones just kind of mitigate the mistakes and and be a little bit more efficient. And I don't think Daniel Jones was necessarily bad in this game, but there's still just certain things that pop up in his tape that he needs to clean up. What are your expectations here? Short week Thursday night football at Washington. My expectations, I don't want to say I'm optimistic about this um, this game because I'm not, but I can see the Giants winning this game. I really can. Daniel Jones hasn't lost yet to Washington, which is a good sign. I don't really take too much into, like, that's not why I think the Giants may win this game. I just think division games can be a little fluky, but I think the Giants and Patrick Graham are going to have to really realize, okay, man, coverage didn't really work. Let's maybe go back to a bit more of a zone approach, and I think maybe they could do enough on the defensive end to force Taylor Heineke into mistakes. And then this could be just another ugly, like 20 to 17 type of game where the giants could possibly win. But if I had to pick a winner, I mean, the giants don't necessarily, they haven't earned them to win. I mean, I know Washington's coming off of a loss, but now they can at least game plan on a short week with the quarterback who's going to play because Ryan Fitzpatrick was injured. That's who they thought they were going to have. But I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, if you want me to pick, uh, I'm going to go with uh, probably Washington, but I can certainly see the Giants upsetting them down there. I guess the I guess the better question is to get an idea of how you're thinking about this game. What did you think was going to happen against the Broncos? Did you think the Giants would win that? I mean, for me, I couldn't believe that they were two and a half, then went up to three point underdogs at home. I, you know, the Broncos, who they were last year, new quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, like. I didn't expect the Broncos to look as good as they did. And maybe that's just because they played the Giants. But I was fooled by, you know, my opinion on the Broncos. So it's I don't know what to think going into Washington. But what did you think going in uh, into week one against the Broncos? I thought the Giants would lose, but not in the manner that they lost. I thought it was going to be like a, you know, 21 to 17 type of game, a, a more closer game with a defense kind of forces Teddy Bridgewater into mistakes and the defense kind of carries the offense and the pass rush of the, of the, uh, of the Broncos were gonna, was going to be really, really a, a big factor as to why the Giants' offense really, really struggled, which it was to a certain extent, but also the offense just didn't look any different. It wasn't too far off what I expected. I did expect a loss, but I would say the defense played much worse than I anticipated, which is incredibly upsetting because I, I'm high on Patrick Graham. I'm high on this personnel, and they were just getting eaten up. They were getting eaten up by a average quarterback, a solid play caller, and a offense that has a lot of young skilled position players and I expected them to be able to hold their own against that offense but they uh they just they were just inefficient on third down and fourth down when it mattered all right Nick well I appreciate you taking the time to come on and break it down um you know great analysis there great analysis on the podcast you've got um so hey we'll we'll check in again throughout the season but hey it's just the, the same old giants here to begin yet another year and that's that's sad. It is. But let's hope, you know, I mean, it's still a lot of football to be played. Uh, hopefully these young players can really put it together. Hopefully Jason Garrett adapts a little bit and we see a little bit more Kadarius Tony, a little bit more Kenny Galladay, a little bit more of a efficient rushing attack because they were not able to run the football well. But uh, thank you for having me on, Neil. This was a lot of fun talking shop. Let's hope we come my way with some positive news after <laughs> Thursday. Yes, let's hope. Thanks again, Nick. Take care. All right. Thanks again to Nick for taking the time to come on. An awful loss. An awful performance from the Giants. An expected performance, really. In hindsight, you'd like to think, oh, it's a new season. They're going to be better. They fucking get better. 
They they look just like the same Giants team. It looks just like a continuation of last year, which looked like a continuation of the year before and the season before that. It's just never ending. And now the Giants have to play the Washington on a short week in Washington. A team with a great defensive line, a team with a great defense, a team that's also 0-1 looking for their first win after they lost at home to the Chargers on Sunday. They lost their starting quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's a huge game. Divisional game, trying to avoid being 0-2 yet again for the Giants. It's a big game. And they don't have much time to get ready for it. They don't have much time to prepare for it. This Giants season cannot go the way the other ones have, or nine of the last 10 have. It cannot be over before the baseball playoffs start. And it could be. It very well could be. Because after Washington, they play Atlanta, and then they play at New Orleans. And Atlanta, obviously, is the easiest of the opponents they will have seen. But that doesn't. no one's easy for the Giants. And they still have games later in the year at Kansas City, at Tampa, at Miami, at the Chargers. It's a fucking gauntlet schedule. It just can't be over again in a month. And and in this way, they could be 0-2 a week into the season. The season opened last Thursday. By this Thursday, it could be 0-2. And here we are again. I don't know when things are going to change with this team and this quarterback, this offense, this offensive line, this offense coordinator, this play calling, this defense. I don't know. But if it doesn't change on Thursday, just headed for another miserable season. So that'll do it for today. Thanks for listening. Talk to you on Wednesday.